Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 318 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadeboe.com. Or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio. That is a mouthful. (laughs) Sometimes I feel it more than others. And uh, welcome. Welcome to Saturn's Day Evening Post number 18. For those of you who are randomly landing on this episode as the first moment you have ever listened to anything I've ever done, Let me say, this might not be the best place to start because this is just a special thing, a little conversation that I have have with my people, with my tribe, with my friends here that listen to the podcast on Tuesdays. So maybe you should check out a Tuesday one first if you're you're here and you're like, I want to learn about witchy stuff because mostly what I do on Saturn's Day is ramble on about whatever pops into my head and it usually involves some kind of pop culture or some weird funny thing that happened to me sometimes like last week I re- I represent I represent I recommend oh I do that a lot too I trip over my tongue and my words constantly so there's that I recommended cat litter kitty litter so there you have it it's a smorgasbord of nonsense <laughs> uh and Just to prove that, I'm going to attempt to explain to you why the Siegel Schwal Band is awesome. And I have no idea if that's how you actually pronounce this, but I have, I must have mentioned it before. Last year, my dad gave me a giant, it might have even been longer than that. Last year, I finally drug it out. My dad gave me a giant plastic tub of records and a box of 45s, so big vinyl records and a, and a box of little 45s to go with it. And I did, I, my big record player that I used to have was like, I don't know, something, it was from the recording studio here at the house and it was up in a closet and it didn't have speakers, so I had no way to listen to the records until... I bought myself for Christmas a turntable. It's super cute and little, and it looks retro, and I love it. And I use it all the time. And I've had an awesome time going through not only my own largely Third Man Records sponsored (laughs) vinyl collection. That's a lot of Jack White. (laughs) Uh, But uh, also having fun going through this it, it's a compilation of I think three different strangers vinyl collections my dad goes to auctions sometimes he's he wouldn't say he's creative but he's extremely creative he buys junk from auctions or at the dump literally will like dra- or he'll drag things off the side of the road some cool piece of wood he was here recently helping me fix the doors on my house because the knobs no longer turned and a woman came to my house 
uh, from the regional center and got locked in the bathroom. I had to rescue her. So my dad <laughs> drove up from Bakersfield to help me fix the locks on my door. And when we were standing out back, um, he's like, see something hidden deep in the bushes and under the weeds. And he, while we're talking, this is just so him. He's done this my entire life. This is not a significant moment. Like while we're talking, I see him see something in, in the brambles, in, in the weeds. And I see that he's no longer listening to me and making a beeline for treasure. He's a treasure hunter. And he drags out the old copper is it copper? I, the, we have a, it looks like a giant bowl. It's a big copper dish, I think, that is a fire pit that sits on a frame in our backyard. And then it had a lid, a, a huge medieval looking metal lid that went on top like a screen that went over the fire. So you didn't light the whole neighborhood on fire. <laughs> you just had a nice little fire pit, which we use. I love that thing. I usually end up doing that on whatever, like Beltane will for sure do it, but we do it on full moons and stuff too. But I have long discarded the screen because it just got rusted and beat up from being outside. And uh, I think the cats even might've pulled at it. Some animal pulled at it. So the screen came up and it's warped and rusted and crazy looking. And my dad's like, oh, I'm going to take this home. And and then he's like explaining this project that he's going to make with this rusted piece of metal. And I've seen him turn junk into the most amazing creations. So I was like, yeah, take it. And he took this piece of trash with him. <laughs> with him. So um, he went to an auction. One of these auctions where you can bid on, I think you can bid on like an entire is it called a C-train? Those big, huge storage units that people turn into tiny homes. I feel like he's bid on one of those before. Or at this auction, I think he was just bidding on boxes and tubs of junk. So it's like a treasure hunt within the treasure hunt because you don't really know what's in your box. <laughs> in this case, you might know it's a big tub of vinyl, but you don't really, I think, get to sit there and pick through it all perfectly. Maybe you do. I've never been. He takes my kid with him sometimes. But... um I know he's just ha gotten random things because he just had to have a big box or had to have a big storage unit <laughs> to see what's inside. And so we've gotten very interesting, strange treasures. But in this case, I got a bunch of vinyl. And the first ones I picked out were my, like, cheesy flashbacks from my childhood. So it was the soundtrack to Saturday Night Live, which I love. And I still put on, and it makes me laugh. It's so corny. And I think, feel like Saturday Night Live with John Travolta, that was uh, <laughs> um, a sequel to, uh, no, no, that was the original, excuse me, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and it's got the, <laughs> like it starts like that. And it's like, you can't tell by the way I use my walk. Oh, I love it. I'm like, makes me want to go put it on right now for you <laughs> because it brings out the beast in me, the disco queen. I don't know. I just love it. I, I don't know how you can hear that and not smile if you're a child of like the late 70s, 80s. Like you have to feel that, right? And uh, so there's that one and there's a really, really silly one that I'm almost too embarrassed to say, but I will say it. <laughs> it's an Olivia Newton-John record of the songs Olivia Newton-John Speaking of John Travolta, you know, she was Sandy in Greece. He <laughs> and uh, he was uh, 
Holy moly. Danny. Danny Zuko. It's the 20th anniversary of Greece, by the way, this summer. And they're... Wait, no. What am I saying? It's the 40th anniversary. It's the 40th. It was just the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. It's the 40th anniversary of Greece. They're doing a big production at the Hollywood Bowl here outdoor. They're going to play Greece outdoors, and then they're going to have, I think, a live orchestra doing the music. So I might do that. That sounds very fun. Anyway, Olivia Newton-John played Sandy in the movie, and so she had a little run at a musical career as well. Her movie career, or at least big movies, I don't know what she's done since. That didn't last long, and neither did her music career, but the songs that on this one record, like, heart attack, heart attack. Look at me, a heart attack. They were on the radio when I was a little kid. <laughs> Let's get physical. Let's get physical. Doesn't that make you want to wear a headband? And um, so I put that on and I, it just blew my mind. I was like, this is amazing. Oh my God. I don't know how old I was at the time when that stuff was big, but not old. Early elementary school. <laughs> it was so much fun. And then there's other stuff, like there's artists in there that I know are beloved and iconic, and I'll try to listen to them, and I just don't care. I don't know if it's because you that you had to be a part of that moment. I don't know. There's like a lot of women, and I can't think of hardly any of them right now. Carol King, lots of Barbara Streisand. Somebody, I don't, this person must have died, because if you love Barbara Streisand this much... <laughs> So many Barbara Streisand records, and you're willing to part with them? Like, why is that? I don't know. I'm suspicious of that. <laughs> and uh, so what is there? Neil Diamond, which actually there's a movie, um, Coming to America. But no, it wasn't Coming to America. That's Eddie Murphy. What was his movie? His song was, They're coming to America. Boom, boom, boom. They're coming to America today. Bana. The jazz singer. That was the name of the, song, the movie. Okay, so we loved that. My mom, my sister, and I would sing that in the car. And we saw the movie a couple times, but we really liked the soundtrack. So I did score that. But the other Neil Diamond stuff, I just don't care about. And, um, and then there's some gospel and country, lots of John Denver. <laughs> it's a mysterious collection. At first, I thought it was one person. I was like, Dad, this person has the most eclectic taste ever. And he's like, oh, no, that was from a few different people. So I think three different collections. And you can kind of see, like, I'm able to kind of sort it out now and kind of have a picture in my mind of who these people were. One of them is very, very cool. And um, I have not listened to any of the Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but they have a lot of that. So I'm excited to check that out because I've never really gotten into them. There's um, Credence Clearwater, stuff like that. But then there are many, many bands I've never heard of. And some of them look like they're like pressed on these super thick Fred Flintstone looking pieces of vinyl. So it looks very uh, DIY or super indie because the labels look like they were typed on a typewriter. So there's like, I think some Motown stuff in there and rhythm and blues. And then this ginormous ramble. I'm, you do, this is what's interesting. I'm learning to let myself go instead of censoring myself on the podcast and I'm wondering if you all are thinking, I'm nuts. <laughs> what is 
this. I got to look at a text my friend Amber sent me before I tell you about what I was actually trying to tell you about when I started this story of vinyl, and now I'm dragging out my phone. But she sent me this meme that is relevant to me making fun of myself right now. So, okay, so this is it. It's uh, one of those, you know, people take illustrated ads of housewives from the 1950s and they turn them into these funny memes. It's one of those. And, and it says this, if I'm telling you a story, be prepared to have seven mini conversations and 19 other stories thrown into it because I can't stay focused. <laughs> Is it that I can't stay focused or as I'm going along, I realize other things that might enrich the conversation. That's how it feels in my mind. <laughs> I'm on my way to somewhere, but on the way, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's this. And then, oh, yeah, there's this. But I do feel like I get there eventually. So Siegel Schwa, S-I-E-G-E-L, Siegel. Now, what is that? That's not another L. No. Okay. Siegel Schwal, S. C-H-W-A-L-L, the Siegel Schwal Band. So this really caught my eye because it looks like um, late hippie, early 70s art, which you know I'm all about. I'm going to be like, yes, I will be looking at that. Like it's got stars all around a planet that has that pop art feel that was happening right when like this, the Beatles were doing a lot of that kind of stuff. And then on the back, it has these super duper groovy, laid back rockers chilling, like sitting on the grass and it's all black and white. And I was like, this looks cool. And I had a religious experience. It was amazing. <laughs> this hardly ever, how often does this happen that you go to listen to something you've never heard before and like you love it in the first note, like instant love it was like that with these guys and I I have kissed a lot of frogs to get to this moment I have listened to a lot of those records not all the way through like I skip around I'm like not for me no uh but this I put it on a song called his good time band and within seconds like I'm feeling it the kid is feeling it I'm pretty sure the cats are feeling it and it's this very like bouncy um it's rock and roll, but it starts, you know, they used to use piano, like real pianos and guitars back in the day. <laughs> so it starts like this really bouncy, excited piano, like dun 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 that it like gets you kind of pumped up and then the guitars come in. And then this guy's very groovy, gravelly voice is like, uh, he ain't no star, he's just a music man. He ain't no star, he's just a music man. He's no cat, he's just a mean old man. And he gets all his kicks in his good time band. He gets all his kicks in his good time band. Okay, that was really bad. That was a bad impression. I was trying to do a low man's voice. <laughs> and I can't do this one thing. It's very interesting vocally, but he goes... He's just a music man. And his voice like dips like that. And it's very cool. So it's exciting. If I need to be in a good mood now, I know I can put that song on. And I had told you previously that the song I was waking my kid up with, because the record player's in the dining room. So a, a, a room in a hall from his. So I was playing, uh, what was I playing? Eartha Kid. Eartha Kid. Um, 
It is good. Eartha Kitt, it is good in French. Well, now I have to say the Siegel Schwal Band has taken Eartha's place for now until something else gets me this excited. <laughs> but I've been, I've for now four mornings in a row started the day with his good time band by the Siegel Schwal Band. And then the whole record is good. And what's even better than that is there's three records from these guys, and I've listened to them all, and they're all super duper awesome, probably because they came out around the time that I was born. I'm going to say that that's why. <laughs> one of the records is 1973, one is 1972, and I forget what the other one is, but they're awesome. So there's that. And then the kid and I just got back from a movie that that you have to have to see in the theater. Some movies you just have to see in the theater. And it's Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. I definitely 100% knew I wanted to see it, but it's been out for a minute before I finally got to the theater. And it's so... Remember what I was saying about J.K. Rowling and how I was like, why is this so good? You know, how is she making me cry and care about these creatures? And how am I sitting here reading, like, whatever page I'm on, page 10,000, if you, like, factor in the whole series? How is she doing this? And um, I realized it was love. She, it was pure love. She was madly in love with the Harry Potter everything, the whole world. And, and that shows in her work and you end up feeling it. When I see, um, and I don't always have to like love somebody's work to see that it comes from a place of love. It just might not be for me in the moment, you know. Carol King, I'm sure, creates everything with love. All those records, I just... I'm not feeling it right now, you know. <laughs> but Wes Anderson is one of those directors where it's so meticulous. And I mean, it's just pure love on the screen and everybody working on this project. There must be an incredible number of people contributing to this because it's like art on art on art on art. The way it looks, gosh, it's hard to separate it out in chunks. I was going to say the way it looks is worth seeing it alone, but that's not fair. <laughs> the way it sounds is incredible, too. And the story's very sweet. It's about these uh, dogs that that it's an evil government conspiracy to get rid of all the dogs and replace them with with robots, basically. Uh, and so they get sent to Trash Island and <laughs> they live on they've been uh exiled to trash island and they get to know each other and stuff and have an adventure <laughs> and it's awesome it's awesome the texture the visual textures are insane insane i feel like i would have to see it 10 more times just to see everything um there's there's uh you know there's like glitter in a film canister that's going around and around and around, or you see like a flea just crawling around in the dog hair, which is very, I mean, it looks, it's hard to explain. It's a, it's an animated film. I don't know how they animated it, but it's got that like flat cartoon like, but then it has these moments of texture that make it look so real, like a real dog's fur, for example. And you see a flea crawling around in the fur not as part of the story. It's just like a little visual reward for paying attention. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like the story isn't all of a sudden like, look, there's a flea. It's just like you notice it and you get some weird satisfaction from that. And that's actually one of the main pleasures of this film. Just all these little hidden gems. <laughs> 
visual rewards. I don't know how else to say it. Just these little moments of, it's just so detailed and so much care is put into every single detail. And there's so much to see, like blink and you'll miss it. (laughs) Uh, And then the subtitles and commentary that he uses too in a very like arts and craftsy kind of way. That is also hilarious. Lots of laughing. And uh, I saw kids, pretty young kids there, and then all the way up to the elderly. I mean, it was just a really cool mixed crowd, but you could tell we were all movie lovers. Movie lovers? No other movie lovers. It's like a vibe in the theater where you're like on the filmmaker's side instead of sitting back like, all right, asshole, show me something good. I just spent $30 on this and the popcorn cost 10 and, you know, there's a different vibe. There's a different vibe. Speaking of vibes, um... The kid talked me into eating lunch at DeLuca's instead of making lunch at home. So we're sitting outside. It's the most beautiful day you can imagine, like pure perfection. If you are waiting for spring to arrive somewhere and you're getting impatient and there's like snow on the ground, come to Los Angeles. It is perfect right now. Come before it's hot Um, because it's just sunny with a nice light breeze and it's flowers everywhere. It's beautiful. It's perfect for sitting on a sidewalk cafe in an adorable complex that is like the Americana, like where we were sitting. And I was watching people. <laughs> I was watching people while Tanner was finishing his lunch walk by because I like people watching and I had my sunglasses on and uh, I feel like I can get away with it with my sunglasses on. And it, everybody looked like they were in a Nora Ephron movie. Like people walking along with their shiny, perfectly groomed dogs, smiling. Their body language was super relaxed. Lots of lovers walking arm in arm. People with their kids, kids that are not screaming and crying, I should say, happy kids <laughs> in a public place, many of them. And I was like, this is so just like, I think this is privilege because it's a really safe, wealthy little shopping center of, it kind of reminds me of like Fifth Avenue in Glendale, like a lot of stores like Diane von Furstenberg and Tiffany are are like that, but then they have a big Barnes and Noble and fancy restaurants and this theater. So it's a privileged crowd for sure, but also everybody seems to be having a really good time. So we get in the car to come home and we drive a few blocks over to another main road where there's like six uh, aisles, six lanes across, like one of those busy main roads that every city has. Um, But this, it's only a few blocks over, but this is the road that you go to when you uh, need to get a smog check (laughs) or your teeth cleaned or your groceries got And um, so the people walking on this street, (laughs) even though it's like the same neighborhood and I think we're we're drawing from the same the same population, these people are like pinched. (laughs) They're in a hurry wherever they're going and they have like a defensive body posture, which I think is very necessary um, when you're out in the city anyway. Just, you know, you don't want to be like, hello, I'm open and relaxed. Take something out of my purse. Uh, you know, so they're walking very defensively, very fast. They're clearly going somewhere important. There's very little hand-holding or happy children. And I was just thinking about how we're animals. We're animals. And I was talking about this recently on um, Patreon, I think, but how I, maybe it was here. I don't remember. 
but how I've really been interested for a, a long while, but lately circling back on this and thinking about how um, we're animals. <laughs> it's that Mary Oliver line, the soft animal of your body, right? And Martha Beck lately has been talking about this too. And, and I feel like Elizabeth Gilbert, some women I love talk about this. And when I think about treating my body, you know, the soft animal of my body, like I would treat an animal I love, I realize how unkind I have been to my body in the past, right? Things like that. But And then when I'm sitting maybe in public like that, looking at people behind the darkness of my glasses so I can stare, um, I just see that. I see like we're just animals, right? And here's a bunch of very happy, well-cared-for animals. <laughs> and then these are animals on high alert. <laughs> and you could just see the way these aren't conscious decisions usually unless you're casting a glamour or something. And I don't know. I just went off on this tangent in my mind, um, probably because I had just seen the Isle of Dogs. And, and if you're a dog lover, like I feel like you have to see this movie. But there are a lot of themes of that too. Um, I won't, I won't, I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. I feel like I already gave a plot point away. I apologize for that. You should see it anyway. Uh, what else can I tell you? <laughs> okay, so I had to pause you and go dig up this story from the hill, thehill.com. Uh, on. Well, I'll just read it to you. Why tell you what I'm about to read to you when I can just read it to you? Seattle officials file motion to vacate marijuana convictions. Seattle officials announced Friday that they have filed a motion to vacate all convictions and drop all charges for marijuana possession for anyone arrested in the city in the past few decades. A press release from the city states that the proposed move would affect 542 people who have convictions on their records. And then the mayor, Jenny Durkan, said in a statement, vacating charges for misdemeanor marijuana possession is a necessary step to correct the injustices of what was a failed war on drugs. The war on drugs in large part became a war on people who needed opportunity and treatment. While we cannot reverse all the harm that was done, we must do our part to give Seattle residents, including immigrants and refugees, a clean slate. Where's the piece? Oh, gosh. That's what I'm skipping. The most important part. I'm like, I didn't just say the thing I was trying to say. She said, vacating charges for misdemeanor marijuana possession is a necessary step to correct the injustices of what was a failed war on drugs which disproportionately affected communities of color in Seattle. So this is a race issue, this war on drugs in America, and it's really interesting and cool to be alive right now and seeing this shift happen. So many shifts are happening. So many things are changing. You really have to uh, be present to what is. Talk about the wheel and <laughs> staying at the calm, immovable center of the wheel. It's all very fascinating if you can just ground into the present moment and be a witness instead of getting like swept up in it and losing yourself emotionally to where you don't get to participate in some way that helps whatever change it is that you want to see happen. 
And what I'm really interested and excited about is this idea of like communities changing because even as angry as people get at the government and the system, there are many more people who are like, okay, well, screw that. Like we will make this change happen for ourselves and, and their strength in numbers. And I find that very inspiring. And it's necessary in the political climate that we are smack dab in the middle of, of, of weaponized everything, <laughs> weaponized, like the Me Too movement. I think there are crafty, evil people who watch something like that and go, oh, cool, we have a new political tool. We have new leverage on people. And now all we have to do is dig into their background and find something that's not politically correct and we can screw up this party big time and <laughs> get away, get rid of all the people who who are outspoken against us or standing in the way, stuff like that. It's strange. It's a strange time to have all of this shift and all of this positive energy rising up right as like this big iron hand is like, ah, let's let's use their beliefs and, and their conviction against them to control them more. It's very, it's an interesting dynamic to say the least. And um, this morning I slept 10 hours. 10 hours. Do you know what that does to a person? It's like a spiritual reset. I was like, this is amazing. I felt so good when I woke up. I immediately, speaking of cat litter, I immediately was going and cleaning out the cat litter and watering the lawn and taking out the trash like before I had had a cup of coffee. I just immediately got up and started doing stuff. I just wanted to be outside and I felt so good. And when I finally came in to make my little morning brew, my little mushroom coffee bulletproof style thingy that I like to make every morning, I went to go put Loud House on for the kid. That's his show, Loud House. And, but he was off busy digging around in his golf ball collection. So I had a second to sit there with my coffee. And so I turned on AM Joy, Joy Reed's show. And uh, I was so happy that I did. <laughs> I started it from the very beginning because I DVR her show. And it was the most beautiful way to start the day besides what I just said, going outside. I was on a roll. I went outside. I had a beautiful little moment with my cats and cleaning up the, their mess <laughs> in the yard and making everything nice. Then I'm chilling with my morning brew and Joanne Reed launches into this very sincere, authentic apology that went on for a minute because it was a sincere apology and she was talking about these old blog posts and tweets that I think they were weaponized against her for sure to get her out of her job because she's an outspoken journalist. And um, I think what was happening was some, some real tweets and blogs that she wrote were that, that these people, whoever ended up doing this, they don't know yet, uh, thought – would turn her people against her. They, I think they were elaborated on and embellished and more of them were created to be like, look at this bigot. The one that she talked about and, and pointed out specifically was a tweet in which she had called Ann Coulter tra trans or something 
inferring that she was transgender maybe, but it was in a very bigoted, insulting way. And it was a long, 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 long time ago. And she is an advocate for the LGBTQ, I don't know how to say all of that politically correctly anymore because it changes and evolves all the time. <laughs> but the gay community, she's friends of, of the gay community, right? And so this was very shocking and alarming. And she came out with this apology at the beginning of the show to say, like, I I did not write all of that, but I did write some of it. And I am sorry. Like it was a deep, a deep apology. And she said, I have evolved and I have changed. And now I understand that that hurt the community I love and that hurt transgender people. And um, and then she had a panel. Uh, there was somebody from the ACLU there. Everybody was gay on the panel. There was a transgender man. And, um, gosh, see, this is me being politically inc- incorrect. Do you, transgender doesn't necessarily mean gay. I don't know. It's also confusing, but that's why we're having these conversations now. So we can understand people that have been hidden. They've always been here. <laughs> They're just now like raising their hand and going, hello, I'm here. And I'm so sick of pretending that I'm not Right. And so what really moved me about this is Joanne Reed, Joy Reed, MSNBC, AM Joy, hashtag AMJ, Joy. I love it. I watch it. I encourage you to watch it. Um, she is, when I think of a queen, she's a person who immediately comes to mind because she's super smart, but she's also very, very kind and compassionate and curious Uh, But she's super quick, too, to call you out on your bullshit, (laughs) to your face, on air, as it's happening. (laughs) And she does it in a very graceful way. Like, she's not yelling at you. It's She's just like, no, that's actually not true. And blah, 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 blah. Here's here's the stats to back that up. Um, What's beautiful to see and what is a a queen thing to me is that, yes, she can she can own her own power and intellect and opinion that way. And she can advocate for people who don't have a voice the way she does that big of a platform. But then also her community can be hurt by something she said over 10 years ago and bring it to the surface. And she owns it and she uses it as an opportunity to like have this bigger conversation and she receives it. Right. And, that's the best you can do. These times are changing. Like we're changing who we are and it, and people need time to catch up with that. I feel like if you want people's hearts and minds to change, you're not going to do it yelling at them. You're not going to do that belittling them for what news station they look at or trying to like outmaneuver them intellectually or calling them stupid The only way I feel like hearts and minds change, I think there's two ways. I think there's human to human contact. So if, you know, you grow up with somebody who's like your best, best buddy and they tell you that they're gay and your whole life you thought gay people went to hell and gay people were bad, but you're like, oh my God, this is my bro. I love him. All of a sudden you have a real 
experience. And that I think really changes hearts and minds to have an experience. And the second way is, is also having an experience and that's through art, right? Because the beauty of art and, you know, music, movies, pop culture, things like that is that it can change hearts and minds without hitting us over the head with a lecture. The best can anyway. (laughs) And we have an experience or we go through the lives, like in a movie, for example, we get to see the life of a character and we, you know, Roots is a good example of that. Mrs. Billingsley wheeling this TV into our history class in, I think, 10th grade and being like, class, we're going to watch Roots instead of working on our textbook. Like that was such a wise decision because it It really, we had already learned about slavery in elementary school as much as you can, like, you know, the Cliff Notes version of it. Watching Roots allowed us to participate in the experience uh, vicariously in, in, you know, watching a movie. You're not literally participating or experiencing it, but you are having an emotional experience of the journey through this It's as close as you can get to walking in someone's shoes without actually going through the experience yourself. And so I think about something like that and how that helped shift culture. Somebody made a movie. Actors played parts. And yeah, isn't that funny? Actors are so silly. But like, look at the power that art has to literally change our cultures. Not to say like a really moving political speech can't can't do that as well. But I would argue that that it's kind of the same thing. Like... Somebody like Obama or um, even my, my queen, O, Oprah, <laughs> there, there are people that have the power to move you emotionally. But again, you're having an experience and it's not the experience of someone screaming that you're an idiot. <laughs> so I feel like that it would be it would behoove the people that want to affect this kind of change to think about their role in that and how they can help create changes in hearts and minds without being a dick. Okay. That's the best way I can say it. That's, that's the closest. I also think too, you know, um, many people are brainwashed and we all are for better or worse in different degrees. You know, me always talking about programming and stuff, but critical thinking isn't something that's taught in our schools. Okay. (laughs) Not really, not in most schools. And so critical thinking, it's a skill. It's something that can be taught. Right. But it's also sort of, uh, what's the opposite of compassionate? I think it's ignorant, actually, to judge someone for being ignorant. Let me say it that way. (laughs) Ignorance is just a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. There is something called willful willful ignorance by why somebody chooses to to look away, chooses not to know. Like, that's bigotry, right? But also, some bigotry is just completely born of this kind of ignorant brainwashing that happens. And that's their worldview that's created until they go to work one day and have to share an office with a Muslim who they think, you know, all Muslims are terrorists. And all of a sudden they get to know this guy and he has kids and he has a wife and oh my gosh, they went to barbecue together. And now he really likes this guy. And okay, maybe not all Muslims are bad. It's like the, the an experience of somebody that has maybe been brainwashed to believe that that's what changes them. So I guess 
why I'm saying this to you right now is like, I feel like sometimes we feel justified in our anger and attacking because they're attacking us, but maybe that's not the best way. Maybe the best we can do is lead by example and, and be open to having conversations with people who are ignorant without like getting super inflamed and missing the opportunity to create a change. Why did I, I didn't mean to go there. Sometimes I just do. <laughs> One minute we're singing goofy songs and the next we're like preaching about, I don't know, <laughs> changing the whole world. Okay, so uh, I also really want to go outside and hang out with my cats and my kids. So I'm going to wrap this up and it'll be up early today. Uh, I wanted to tell you though, I mentioned last week, my friend Desiree Horton, she sent me a candle and uh, and I just... I didn't remember exactly like what, how to describe it to you, what the ingredients were and everything. And I wanted to be able to have a link. So the very goofy picture on Facebook and Twitter and my blog that goes with this episode is me outside trying to model my fluffy bunny t-shirt that I illustrated for Kick-Ass Witch in the very beginning in 2012. It's still perfect. It's, I've washed it maybe like 500 times and you can see in the picture how good it still looks. Uh, so I don't know. I just grabbed it out of the dresser today randomly and I haven't worn it in a long time. <laughs> Something about that made me happy. So I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to put this on the internet. But also let me hold this candle up so they can see what Desiree made and let me hold it up in a way that it doesn't block the fluffy bunny girl. So I'm like holding my body in a very strange position to show you Desiree's candle because it is a queen candle. She's a queen. She's in the queen group and she makes candles and she made a queen, a queen soy intention candle, which I personally, I haven't told her this, but I'm telling her now if she's listening, you should raise the prices on that. <laughs> really? I'm a professional candle buyer. That's extremely inexpensive, and I know what, how much work you put into that, so just saying. But it is a queen intention candle, and I think that's so cool to have a candle um, to light your intention on fire like that. So what, what does she say on her? She's on Etsy, um, Co-op of Creation. If you look up Co-op of Creation on Etsy, you can find her, but I will link to, I'll link to the queen candle in the show notes, uh, she said, made with intention to banish the doubts and negativity that creates obstacles to your sovereignty. The delicately scented soy candle is infused with rose quartz for self-love and tiger's eye for courage. Paper blossoms with a scent of high tea, a beautiful blend of English and white tea bolstered by grapefruit, ginger, and mandarin. So to me, it smells very, very, it smells strongly floral. It's a strong smell with also strong hints of citrus. So I was like, oh, that's interesting because I don't see flowers listed, although, no, those are made of leaves. I don't know, the English and white tea, maybe that's the floral scent I was smelling, but then, and maybe the ginger, I don't know, maybe the ginger gives it like a little punch. But anyway, it's like a very... It smells like a fairy, what I would imagine a fairy candle would smell like, kind of. And it has glitter on it, so maybe that makes me think of fairies too. But it's so, I haven't burned it yet, and uh, I think I'm going to save it for Beltane, because it, it's got, like I said, it's just 
Something about it feels very fairyish and spring-like to me. So I thought it'd be a good Beltane candle. So that's it, everybody. I hope you're having an amazing week. I probably forgot all the other things I wanted to say, but I just get rambling and I'm like, how much longer can this go on? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently a long time. So until we meet again. Oh, if you want. No, I've already told you about it. I'll tell you about it again because it popped into my head. <laughs> If you want the summer transition module of the Psycho Spiritual Wheel of the Year, there will be a link to that here as well. And you can get $20 off when you use discount code at checkout. Those damn hippies. Those damn hippies. Until we meet again, much love to you. Peace.